What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. On April the 5th, 1984, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored his 31,420th point in the NBA, surpassing the, at the time, all-time scoring leader, Wilt Chamberlain. Kareem defeated that record with his legendary sky hook and surpassed the great Chamberlain. And in 1989, he retired with a grand total of 38,287 points. That is quite an achievement. And many, because of the feat that he was able to climb, I mean, it's, it's like climbing Mount Everest. Not many people can do that. They said that that record was unbeatable. And for 39 years, it was. I found it very interesting that the very same year that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke the scoring record in the NBA, another legend was born in Akron, Ohio, and his name, LeBron James. I have two pictures I'm going to show you on the screen. The first one is this one right here. Here is young LeBron James in his living room in Akron, Ohio, giving around Christmas time a little toy basketball goal and a basketball. And he posted this on social media some time back, and he said these words, I guess... I was kind of born to do this. And Sports Illustrated would agree. Because in 2002, they featured him on the very cover of their magazine. And I'll share more about this later. If you hang on with me to the end of my sermon, I've got a couple more pictures or one more picture about this I want to share with you. But at the time, when he was on that cover, he was 17 years old and a junior in high school. And arguably the greatest basketball player that has ever played high school basketball. And some even described him as the new person who is coming on the scene to take over for Michael Jordan. In 2003, straight out of high school, LeBron James was the number one pick in the first round of the NBA draft at 18 years of age. He is like a a basketball machine that is unable to be stopped. And he's proven himself time and time again by shattering records. And this past week on February the 7th, 2023, LeBron James surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record in a game. And here's the next picture I want to show you. Right there is the legendary shot. In fact, in the pregame warm-ups leading up to this game right here, you could see LeBron James practicing a skyhook that he was planning on trying to take over the scoring record by doing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's shot. But instead, it was his legendary shot of the fadeaway jumper at the foul line. And here, in this game, he made history. And he's on his way to scoring over 40,000 points in his career of basketball. And I bring all this up to tell you that LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are all in a league of their own when it comes to basketball. They're called what we call legends and legendary. But today, I'm not here to talk to you necessarily about this legend. 
I'm here to talk to you about another kind of legend found in Hebrews chapter 11, and his name is Enoch. And I'm here to tell you, just like LeBron James and some of these others are set apart from every other person that's played basketball, Enoch, my friends, is set apart of every other character mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 because Enoch was a man who escaped death. Enoch was a man who walked with God so closely, God took him out of this world into the next life. The title of my message today is The Faith of Enoch, and the, the central thought that I want to leave you with today is found in verse number six, and I just want to kind of borrow the word of God's word here, and, and uh, the verse here, and just change one word, the word him, to the word God. And here's a thought I want to drive home today. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In my life, I've tried to please God with good deeds. In my life, I've tried to please God by, by doing all these religious rituals. In my life, I've tried to please God by dressing a certain way. In my life, I've tried to please God by carrying a certain version of the Bible. In my life, I've tried to please God by listening to certain music. But I'm here to tell you something. The only way you can ever please God is by faith. In fact, the word here, we're going to get to more of this later, but it gives the idea that you cannot and you never will be able to please God apart from one word, faith. So my question for you today is simply this. Do you really want to please God? Today I want to take us back to the book of Genesis the very first book in the Bible, where it all began, where God spoke the world into existence in chapter one, where God took Adam and Eve and planted them in a garden. And there in chapter three, we read about how mankind disobeyed God and fell. And now we have inherited this sinful nature. That means you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners, and we need the sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. In chapter four, we read about last week about Cain and Abel. And now in chapter five, it's a genealogy chapter. And, and you're tempted, you might be tempted like me to skip over the genealogies in scripture, but but if we skipped over Genesis chapter 5, we would miss out two key phrases about Enoch and how Enoch, he fathered Methuselah, you know, the oldest man to ever live, it is recorded in Scripture, 969 years of age. But Enoch, the Bible says, lived for 60 years. And he, and he had this child, he had this son, Methuselah. And Two times in this text, it says he walked with God. And the first thought I want to share with you is this. From Genesis chapter 5, you don't need to turn there, but this is where we're going to go in our minds. That is, if you really want to please God, then you have to walk with God. And in fact, walking with God is pleasing God, and pleasing God is walking with God, and it's all by faith. So if you want to please God, then you have to walk with God. Remember what the prophet Amos said? He said, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? 
I mean, imagine if you're going to go on a date and take a little walk, a stroll in the park, and you're going to take your wife or your husband, or you're going to take your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and you're going to hold hands, and imagine trying to run and while they're trying to walk. You just can't be in agreement together. And so today, my friends, we've got to walk step by step with God, and we've got to be in tune with God. And, and, and here, it's interesting that the Bible says that Enoch lived for 60 years, and I have reason to believe, and many people have reason to believe, that for those first 60 years, Enoch did not walk with God. Enoch did not live for God. But then as soon as he gave, he had a son named Methuselah, his whole mentality about life changed. And listen, we can easily testify that when a mother or a father holds their son or their daughter for the very first time, their life is dramatically changed. And their perception about life is, is no longer the same. And sometimes, many times, what it does is it causes somebody to live more closely in tune with God. And that's probably what happened with Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. He had this first son, and then he wanted to walk with God. It's interesting, the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament that was about 200 years before Jesus' time translated because the, the time period in which was going on, these Jews no longer speak Hebrew. They've been in exile all these years, and they've kind of lost the idea of Hebrew. And, and, and some people could speak it, but the majority of them could not. So as scholars came on the scene and translated the Old Testament into Hebrew, and it's interesting, the same word in Genesis chapter number 5 in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, is the exact same words that is being used by the writer of Hebrews here in the Greek language. And so the idea is simply this, that in Hebrew, it's translated, walk with God, but in Greek, it's translated, please God. So the idea is this, in order to please God, you've got to walk with God. And for 300 years, we're not talking 300 days, we're not talking, you know, uh, 300 hours, we're not talking 300 minutes, we're not talking 300 seconds, we're talking 300 years. And, and by the way, time does not allow me to get into the idea of these ages and why I believe that these are actual literal ages, but I can talk with you more about that after the service. But so 300 years he lived. The world was different prior to the flood. People lived longer. And here he walked with God and God looked down and saw this man's faith that not a man other than Elijah has ever lived who God decided he was going to take them and make them exempt from walking through this horrible, graphic, gruesome doorway we call death. If you could just imagine here, we go to a raging river and it's about a mile in length. And the only way to get the other side is to hop into the river and swim across or build a boat and go across. But everybody that tries to go across ends up drowning and dying. And that's in a sense like life. All of us, in order to get to the other side and, and to eternity, we have to go through this river or this doorway we call death. But there are two characters in history who God decided they were living in such a way that God pulled them out. And they jumped over that river we call death. And Enoch was that one. My, how I wish I could be transported back into time and just be able to see how he lived his life. Do you really want to please God? Well, you've got to walk with God. But secondly today, if you want to please God, 
then you have to witness for God. You have to witness for God. In Genesis chapter 5, it is the chapter right before Genesis chapter 6. And Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the earth was so polluted with sin that God decided in that moment that he was going to send this disaster, this catastrophic flood to wipe out the human race, except Noah and his family. The only other person in Scripture described as a man who walked with God, Noah and Enoch. And Enoch was one of the faithful men that God had in that age who was witnessing and sharing the good news of Jehovah God in his time period. Look at verse number 5 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith. Notice every single time in this great hallway of faith that it says by faith for each of these characters. It's a transition here, focusing his attention on Abel before and on creation before and on Habakkuk before into chapter 10 about how the just is going to live by faith. And now he's giving us an illustration of these characters who in time past live by faith. And now by faith, Enoch was translated. All it means is to be transported. You know, when, when I went to London, I went in this thing called a tube. It's an underground subway. And I went down, and it was very interesting. I've never rode on, on something like this before. And, and, and hopped in that thing, and it just zoomed me across into another area. It transported me from one location to another location. And this word translate, this word translated, this word translation in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it gives the idea that God took him and transported him from this life to the next. That's all it means. And he did not see death. And then it says he was not found because God had translated him. And check it out now. Before his translation, before his transferal and his departure, he had this testimony. Remember, this is the word we get martyr from. This is the word we get witness from. This is the word we get the idea where somebody's called to the stand in the court of law. And there they bear record of their testimony. And here the Bible says that God, through the penman, of the writer of Hebrews says by inspiration of God's spirit that this man's testimony was that he pleased God. His witness for 300 years was pointing people to the goodness of God. His witness for 300 years was pointing people to the graciousness of God. His witness for, for, for 300 years was to the merciful, loving kindness of God and how the Messiah would one day come and rescue this world of brokenness and sin. And God looked down and he was pleased. This word pleased, it, it means to be gratified. It means to be satisfied. And so when God looked down in his own ways and his own purposes, Enoch's life was satisfied in God's eyes. Sometimes I just sit back and I think, I wonder, is my life even satisfying to the Lord? Is your life satisfying to God right now with how you're living and how you're conducting it? If you want to please God, yes, you've got to walk with him, but, but, but you've got to also witness for him. You've got to tell people about how Jesus has changed your life in such a way that you are no longer the same individual and the same person. You've got to tell them of the time and the place where, where God stepped into your life and dramatically transitioned you from this life to the next. And hey, I know that, that we're not like Enoch, that we've been transported, but listen, my home is not of this world. My home is in heaven of a place that I have not yet to be, but I will one day go there. And the same for you. Then in verse 6, we read the phrase, 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it's interesting here. I believe verse number six, surely it is identifying every character here in chapter 11, such as Rahab, such as Moses, such as Abraham, such as Sarah, such as all these others that are mentioned. But it's interesting in the immediate context it is surrounding the life of Enoch. While it can all be applied to every person who's ever lived by faith, I believe it is in direct connection with the life of Enoch. And so do you really want to please God? Well, thirdly today, from verse number six, here it says, without faith it is impossible to please him. And it says, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. And Paul's right there. If you want to please God, then you have to have faith in God. If you want to please God, you've got to have faith in God. You see, Abel's life teaches us purity and worship. But Enoch's life teaches us purity in our walk. It says without faith, this means to entrust. It says it's impossible. This means that it cannot be done. And it says by no other means necessary can any person ever please God. So think about this. People travel to the remotest parts of the world to try to escape and seclude themselves into kind of like a solitude place. There to just draw close to nature and the earth. That cannot please God. There are some people who try to go on a pilgrimage to a holy city like Jerusalem or to to Mecca or all these other areas, but that cannot please God. Some people, in order to to try to please God, they they try to get sprinkled, they try to get poured upon, they try to get dunked underneath the water. That can't please God. Only faith can please God. You see, God honors faith and faith honors God. Here today, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you cannot, your life does not please him. It just doesn't. I know that you might think that you live a good life and you have a good job and you do good things. But listen, all those good things are nice and, and they're helpful to society, but you cannot please God without faith. You gotta have faith in him. And here the verse goes on to elaborate here. It says, he that comes to God. This word comes, it means to approach. So imagine, let's say tomorrow, Let's say I decided I'm going to drive to Washington, D.C., and I'm just going to march into the White House. And I'm going to talk to President Biden. And I'm just going to do it. <laughs> do you think I'll be successful, or do you think it'll be a failure? I would say it'd be, it'd be a failure. Yeah. Or, or, or let's say, hey, I'm going I'm to go, um, tra- I'm going to travel back into time, into the 1930s and 1940s. I'm going to march into Berlin, and I'm going to say, hey, I, I'm here to talk to, to Mr. Hitler. I'm just going to talk to him. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. You see, if you're going to approach somebody who's in a powerful position, you have to have a process and, and, and an appointment of some sort. And the reality is, the only way I would ever get into the White House is if I'm going to get a tour. And they're only going to take me to certain portions of the White House. And the reality is, is I will probably never meet the president. But here... The Bible says that if we want to approach God, we have to believe. This means, the word belief here in the English Bible, it means to have faith in. 
that he is. What? I think Paul's writing, maybe he's not, but, but, but if he is writing, I can say, Paul, what? Are you even making sense here? You have to believe that he is? What? What do you mean, Paul? What do you mean, writer of Hebrews? What he means is that God exists, that God has always existed, that God presently is existing, and God always will exist in the future. That God is always God, and we have to have faith that God is God. I cannot take you into a scientific testing laboratory and there present to you factual evidence of why God is real. I can just point you to nature. I can point you to conscience. I can point you to all these different things about why I have faith that God is real and I have reason to believe he's real, but I can't prove to you with beyond a shadow of a doubt and through the scientific method that God is God. And listen, neither can you. In fact, I don't mean to burst your bubble. I don't mean to burst this world's bubble, but everything can't be affirmed by the scientific method and God's existence cannot be because it can't be measured. It can't be repeated. It can't be observed because we can't go back in time and see all these different things. God is eternal. God existed before matter ever existed. He spoke you, he spoke me, he spoke the world and the systems and the laws of nature into being to where it just continually goes until God says no longer. So if you want to approach God, you have to first of all have faith in God. In other words, you have to have faith in the existing presence of God. Do you have that faith today? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then the verse goes on here. How are we to approach God? Well, first in faith, believing in his existing presence. But then, but then, then the verse goes on to speak about how he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, what I think the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that we got to believe and have faith in his existing presence, but then we have to have faith in his rewarding promises. So fourthly today, as I read verse number six, the last part, if you want to please God, then you have to seek God. Now, maybe you're like me, and you remember what Paul said in Romans. He said, there is none that seeks after God. No, not one. And, and yes, I don't believe this is a contradiction in Scripture. What I believe that Paul is emphasizing here is that there is no person in his own unique will who's going to run after God without God ever initiating that process. And here the Bible says that it is a rewarder. In other words, giving somebody a reward. You know, like I grew up in the millennial generation. You know, or if I just play the sport, I got a trophy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Didn't have to actually do good. In fact, I could lose every single game of that season, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever, and I would still get a trophy. And I've got so many of them, and they just collect dust. That's all they do. But here, the Bible says that if you want to be rewarded by God, you've got to first of all have faith in his existing presence, but then faith in his rewarding promise. And I believe that God is a promise-keeping God. And if he declared something in his word, and this book right here has a paper trail like no other book in history, my friends. This one goes back to the moment when God spoke it to the prophets and they were moved by the Spirit of God. And here it says diligently seek him. You know, sometimes in the English Bible, it takes multiple words to try to even understand and define and translate the one word in the original text. 
of Greek or Hebrew. And it's the same right here. From what I understand, that this, this phrase, diligently seek him, comes from one word, and it means to investigate. It means to investigate in such a way that you bring worship and honor to God. And so here, I'm thankful of the prophet Jeremiah's words and the prophets of old. They said that if you seek God with your whole heart, he will find you. You will find him. I'm thankful that, that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And he did that for me and he did that for you. And I'm thankful that the Bible says, seek first God's kingdom and all the necessities of this life will be added unto you. If you want to please God, then you've got to seek God. Imagine, imagine, uh, you know, last year I was just totally immersing myself in the life of Charles Spurgeon. And it took me to investigate his life thoroughly. I purchased like so many biographies, listened, uh, read all these different sermons, bought all these books about him and, and studied his life to, to a very minute detail. And, and that investigation took me all the way to Kansas City, Missouri to go see this library that, that once was his in London. And it took me all the way to London so I could go and look at all these different spots and be like, all right, Spurgeon existed. There's his cemetery. There's the place he was baptized. There's the church that he used to be a pastor of. And the pillars are still the same in which he was there. And imagine if we were to investigate the word of God in such a way that it would take us to all the different places of God's word right here in the text. May God help us to investigate his word, to seek God's presence in some way, shape, or form in our life each day, reading the word of God, praying the prayers that are promised in the word of God. Without faith, we cannot. We shall not, and we will not, please God. You've got to seek God. You've got to have faith in God. You've got to witness to God. You've got to walk with God. But, but I want to share with you fifthly and finally, because this is not the end that we hear of Enoch. You don't need to turn there, but in Jude chapter 1, which we looked at last year. But we see fifthly and finally, if you really want to please God, this is what you've got to do. You have to proclaim the word of God. Now, I'm not talking about going to a Bible college or seminary and, and getting licensed and ordained to be a pastor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the proclamation of Scripture. I'm talking about the Great Commission. That's what we are all called to do. You may not be called, like me, into a vocational calling of the pastorate. But you are called, like Enoch to be a faithful son or daughter of God in the generation that God has placed you to faithfully proclaim the word of God. And he did that. His life was rather long, but not as long as his son's life. But his messages that are recorded are rather brief. His epitaph is simply that he walked with God and pleased God. And he preached the word of God. And in Jude chapter 1, the only sermon we have that's recorded in history by Jude through Enoch or by Enoch through Jude is a message of judgment. That God will judge false teachers, that God will judge those who are unrepentant and who refuse to bow down to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to confess him as their personal Lord and Savior. Today, my friends, we're called to that message. I know that, that the culture in which we are living in, 
doesn't like the the exclusively mentioning that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I understand that it's hostile. In fact, here recently, you know, we were out trying to share Jesus door to door with people and it's amazing. It's amazing how you could go and be, a, be on campaign for Joe Biden or Donald Trump or some other politic and politician or whatever and you will, not, you will not receive nearly the hostility as you'll receive if you just take the Bible and you try to share Jesus with people at their doorstep and you're as nice as can be. And the reason why is because man is trying to approach God his own way and when we share the word of God, we say, hey, listen, you cannot approach God your way. You've got to approach God God's way, and that way is through faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so today, I submit to you that our life should be more committed to the gospel. In fact, as I've been studying the, the life of Enoch this past week and just trying to immerse my, my, myself into his shoes and just trying to, to see how he lived with just a little bit of scripture that's mentioned about him in Hebrews and Jude and Genesis and in Luke, he's in, mentioned in the genealogy. He made it into the genealogy of the Messiah. I mean, how, how amazing is that? Enoch's life is, is so powerful that it reminds me that I need to walk deeper and closer with God each day. I need to have greater faith in him each day. And I need to tell more people about Jesus. Because if I don't, if we don't, they will spend eternity separated from God in hell. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I appreciate you hanging on. And I want to show you this next picture here. This is LeBron James when he was 17 years old, a junior in high school. This was... From February 18, 2002. I do not have this magazine. In fact, I took a screenshot online. Yeah, go ahead and turn me in, you know. <laughs> I screenshotted all of them today or the other day. Anyways, here he is on the cover. But, but, but if you notice, he's not just on the cover here, holding a basketball and, and making that weird face. It's a phrase on that cover that, that really, I mean... I mean no disrespect to LeBron James. In fact, he's one of my favorite basketball players. I like, I think the best basketball player is Michael Jordan, then Kobe Bryant, and then LeBron James. I think all three of them are amazing, and I highly respect them. But, but, but they call him the chosen one? As they say today, bro, that's too far. <laughs> but you know, that's not his only nickname. His other nickname, which I don't have a picture of this one, you can look it up, it's King James. And I saw a picture of him at one of these places or something. They, were, they had these other basketball players holding him up on a chair like you would escort a king in. And he had, a, he had the gown on, the crown, and, and the, um, the, the staff or whatever it's called. Marching him as a king. Now listen, I get it. If they're trying to say that, this is the, that LeBron James was the chosen one that was going to lead the, in the NBA into a new era of basketball, okay, we could, we could argue that, okay, that we could get that. If we're trying to say that, hey, he is now the king of basketball and nobody greater than, than a basketball player and athletes ever play the game, I, I could get that. But I'm here to tell you something. There's only one chosen one and only one king, and his name is Jesus. And today, my friends, from, from the mountaintop of Mount Everest all the way down to the very depths of the Mariana Trench in the ocean, let it ring loud and clear that Jesus is king. From the Great Wall of China all the way to the Taj Mahal, Jesus is king. 
from Virginia all the way to Oregon, and from New York all the way to Los Angeles City, California, Jesus is King. From Europe to South America, from Australia to Africa, and from Asia all the way to Canada, let it be heard and declared loud and clear that Jesus is King and he is the chosen one of God. And you know, the life of Enoch, it points us to this great king and this chosen one. Because, hey, 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 who's somebody else that we know that was able to defeat death? Not just Enoch, not just Elijah, but Jesus himself. In fact, we read in the Old Testament how the prophet Isaiah, how the psalmist speaks about how he would die a sinner's death and how he would rise again the third day and how Jesus is the chosen one that God predicted through the prophets of old and is the chosen one that Jesus, or excuse me, that Enoch was preaching about in times of old. In fact, you see Enoch's life is telling us that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. How in John chapter 11 and verse 21 and through 27, he said, quote, John quotes Jesus and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me shall never die. There's hope in the gospel. We can not only escape death, but we can escape God's judgment and that's predicted in Revelation chapter 20 through the life and ministry of Christ and Enoch's life portrays that. And then it's, it's also obvious that, that Enoch, in a sense, is raptured out of here like the church, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, will one day be taken up out of here. And my friends, I don't know when that day will happen. I don't. I wish I did. But that's why we need to be ready all the time because the Lord may come back at any time. And then the lineage in Luke chapter 3 and verse 37 where Enoch is mentioned reminds us that the Messiah is not some athlete, but it's Jesus. And he's the one that I pledge my allegiance to. He's the one that I will bow my knee and confess with my tongue that he is Lord. He is the one that I will surrender my will and gladly say yes to his will. He's the one that I will daily take up my cross and live for him. But you see, you cannot accept that Jesus is the chosen one or the king of kings and lord of lords unless you have faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you have that faith today? What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.